Welcome to the Story King podcast, where great stories are read, discussed, and given their due honor. I'm your host, John Carlo, and today is the final episode for season two. So what I decided to do for today's episode is dig through my little notebook of story ideas, find three of them, and use them as writing prompts to write three different stories, in the same way I did on the two episodes I had my sons on. I put myself on a 10-minute timer for each prompt, but honestly, just like the snooze button in the morning, I had to press that restart button a few times, so each story took roughly an hour to write. Not bad, but I don't want to give any false impressions of my abilities or anything like that. At some point, hopefully next year, I plan on compiling all these quick writing prompt stories into a collection. I'll be marketing towards children ages 8 to 13, I think. I say that just so you know these tales aren't meant to be serious literary fiction. They're short, they're silly, often parabolic, sometimes not, but hopefully always entertaining. On that note, let's see how I did. Okay, so the first story I'm reading is called The Measle Messages, and here it is. Every important leader in the world had gathered in this one place. The International Assembly was filled with overexcited chatter as they waited for the ambassador to come and give them the message. Johnny was only seven. He was escorted by a security team to the center of the large hall to a table and chair where he set his backpack down. He sat across the meeting facilitator, an old man with a gray beard and thick glasses. Surrounding them on all sides was a sea of kings and queens, presidents, emperors, various politicians, and countless reporters. The meeting was being streamed live for all the world to see. Everyone basically had the same set of questions on their minds. Friend or foe? What do these extraterrestrials want with our planet? Why can't we see them? Where are they? And probably more pressing, why was this little boy fit to be the liaison between humanity and the aliens. State your name for the record, said the meeting facilitator into the microphone. He was of course speaking to little Johnny. The boy did as he was told and answered all of the preliminary questions. We've been briefed that aliens have been communicating with you and have a message for the entire world they would like to share. Is this correct, Johnny? That's right, sir. The large hall fell silent. Everyone waited breathlessly to hear what on earth these aliens had to say. And how have they been talking to you, Johnny? Do they call you on the phone, send letters, email perhaps? The crowd chuckled. Johnny simply said, It's better if I show you, sir. The boy stood up and lifted his shirt. His chest was covered in what looked like a case of the measles. The crowd of important people gasped. The facilitator squinted and leaned forward to get a better look. The red dots did in fact look like measles, only there was a pattern to them. Can we get a close-up of this? I want to see it on the big screen. Several news cameramen zoomed in on little Johnny's chest. The red dots were spread out in no ordinary way. They formed letters, words, sentences, all in English, too. Everyone looked up at the large mega screen with the close-up of Johnny's chest. The measle message read, We have come to take over your planet. Surrender or die. Order was effectively lost. The crowd laughed hysterically. So it's a hoax after all, many said to whoever they sat next to. Order, order, the facilitator shouted. 
After several minutes, order was finally restored. Everyone quieted down. They all wanted to get the silly meeting over with and go to lunch. Johnny, the facilitator began, did they tattoo that message on your chest or did you do this yourself? You can get into a lot of trouble, you know, pulling a stunt like this. Johnny did not answer with his mouth. He was still holding his shirt up. The red dots on his chest began moving around and rearranging themselves into a new sentence. The measle message now said, Refuse to believe at your own peril. No one was laughing anymore. The dots scrambled over and over again, forming sentence after sentence. We will destroy you. There is no escape. Your only hope is willful surrender. Terror filled the hearts of every person in the room. The facilitator had to approach this differently. Johnny... How are they doing this, spelling things on your body with red dots? They're inside me, sir. Inside you. The crowd made a yuck face. They were collectively repulsed by the very notion. You can talk directly to them, Johnny said. Okay, he said. I will do just that. The facilitator cleared his throat. Is this true, he asked. Are you inside this boy? The red dots started moving. Yes, they spelled. Very good, then, the facilitator said. Prove it. Johnny put his shirt down and reached into his backpack to pull out a microscope. He invited the facilitator to walk around the table and have a look. The facilitator got up from his seat, walked around the table, and bent down to place one eye against the eyepiece. Sure enough, he saw a fleet of microscopic spaceships. The image was so clear he could see inside the cockpit window of one of them. A slimy one-eyed green alien smiled and waved. The facilitator turned as white as a ghost. He went back to his seat. I have one more thing to say, he began. You're all very small, like really, really small, much smaller than us humans. You can never defeat us. It won't happen. Johnny lifted his shirt again. The entire assembly fixed their eyes on the mega screen to watch the red dots form the new sentence. We can and we will. In sheer frustration, the facilitator banged his fist on the table and shouted, How did you even learn English? Isn't it obvious the red dots formed to spell? We take over our host, study their brain cells, learn their memories, their customs, their language. Enough! The facilitator shouted. I need a break. This meeting will resume in five minutes. The facilitator rushed out of the hall to find the nearest bathroom. He splashed cold water on his face and stared at himself in the mirror. I got it, he thought. I'm not going back in there. I'll sneak out the building. I'll move to South America. I'll drink pina coladas all day. I have the money. I can do this. I will do this. He stood up straight and tall, confident and resolved. He adjusted his tie and smiled at his own reflection. Then he noticed something peculiar on his forehead, a series of red dots scrambling about. Horrified, the facilitator leaned forward to get a closer look. Spread across his forehead in two lines, one on top of the other was the following measle message. You can run, but you can't hide. So that was the measle messages. And now I'll be reading The Pizzlefwap Pirates from Outer Space. The Pizzlefwap Pirates from Outer Space were a race of extraterrestrials from the Andromeda Galaxy who survived by ransacking planets in our galaxy. After hundreds of thousands of years, generation after generation of Pizzlefwaps raided every corner of the Milky Way, so it was only a matter of time before they stumbled upon our humble little solar system. They were very disappointed when they came to Pluto and couldn't decide whether or not it was even a planet. Neptune was unbelievably cold. Uranus was not much better. Their ships were battered by the rings of Saturn. They were held up for several weeks in the great red spot of Jupiter, spinning around and around in the chaotic storm. Mars wasn't so bad, but there was literally nothing to do there. No one to rob. And then there was Earth. 
a beautiful bluish marble of a planet buzzing with life, some of which seemed almost intelligent. The Pizzlefwops made several visits to Earth throughout the ages. Their only strategy was to take whatever seemed most valuable and important to the smartest inhabitants. They first came in the mid-1400s, so before the Conquistadors and Sir Walter Raleigh ever led expeditions to find El Dorado, the lost city of gold, the Pizzlefwops had already found it and stole every bit of gold they could find. It's the reason gold became so expensive in the first place. They waited a few hundred years before returning in 1976 to see what humans valued at that point. In New York City, they noted little green pieces of paper were everywhere, stuffed in pockets, placed in and out of buildings called banks, given in exchange for food, entertainment, and ugly clothes. They hitched a plan to rob nearly every bank in the world by simply zapping up the contents of their vaults. Of course, the humans were outraged, but only until more money was printed. Then everything went back to normal. The Pizzlefwops had made jewelry and furniture out of the gold, but they weren't sure what to do with all the colorful pieces of paper with strange faces and symbols, and so they gave most of it to their children to play with, although some found human cash to be quite useful as a toilet paper alternative. Robbing humanity seemed too easy. Normally, they would do it from the comfort of their spaceships, find what they want, aim, zap. That was it. The object, whether gold or money, was instantly teleported to the warehouse sections of the ships, so the Pizzlefwap pirates decided to return earlier than planned. The year was 2020. Nearly every human on the planet was holding a rectangular device they stared at all day as if hypnotized. Obviously, this is the new gold, a Pizzlefwap captain said to his crew one day. You know what to do. I'm sorry, captain, a Pizzlefwap worker replied, but there seems to be a virus in the zap theft system. I see, the captain said. Then the rest of the fleet will have to do the job without us, unfortunately. Actually, the worker said, it's a fleet-wide problem. We have 30,000 ships. You're telling me the zap theft is out on every one of them? We're working on it, sir. Okay, the captain said. Change of plans. We're going to go old school. Every ship is to cloak themselves with invisibility and land on the surface. All ground Pizzlefwap thieves are to be invisible as well. I want those glowing rectangular treasures, and I want them now. Go, go, go! The command was sent out to the entire Pizzlefwap fleet. They all did as they were told and landed on every continent in the world except Antarctica, undetected by sight and radar. The invisible Pizzlefwaps snuck up on unsuspecting humans, snatched their smartphone right out of their hands and ran. They were not ready for what came next. Every single human whose phone got taken chased the invisible Pizzlefwap, some all the way back to their invisible ship. Other Pizzlefwaps weren't even this lucky. The humans caught up to them and without knowing who or what they were fighting, kicked, punched, bit, and headbunted the invisible force of evil trying to steal their phone. The Pizzlefwaps that did make it back to their ship had humans attached to their invisible body. Now there were billions of humans on various Pizzlefwap ships, still fighting to get their phones back. Some were taken into interrogation chambers and questioned about the strange devices they couldn't live without. The humans showed the Pizzlefwaps how to use Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter. They showed them how to update profile pics and take selfies. Some of the young Pizzlefwaps became instantly addicted. The older ones were confused and bored senseless. The Pizzlefwaps returned all the humans and most of the phones back to Earth. Some phones were kept for research purposes, of course. The owners of those phones were depressed for nearly an entire day before they bought new ones. After this whole ordeal, the Pizzlefwap pirates decided to leave Earth alone for a while and give them some time for their values to evolve. They also needed to get their zap theft system up and running again. So that was the Pizzlefwap pirates from outer space. And now this last story is called Dr. Laura.
Dr. Laura stared at the disgruntled couple sitting on opposite sides of the couch in front of her. They had been separated for nearly two months. Fred folded his arms and looked perpetually angry at every weekly counseling session. Margaret was tense and often clenched her teeth while trying to stare blankly in any direction her husband did not happen to be in. Neither had said anything for several minutes. Neither answered the therapist's simple question, So, how was your week? Dr. Laura had never seen a more hopeless case, not just for the couple, but for all of humanity. Separated, the two were miserable and pathetic, virtually powerless compared to what they were united. Do you mind closing the blinds? Fred asked. Yes, it's depressing enough in here, Margaret agreed. Dr. Laura stared out the window and sighed. I think it's important. You both see what's at stake here, she said. The couple forced themselves to glance over at the alien invasion taking place just outside the window. Laser beams were shooting from unidentified flying pods in the sky. Helicopters and fighter jets zoomed past to fire missiles at the invaders. Buildings crumbled and cars were crushed. People on the streets below were running and screaming as they took cover. Several mushroom clouds of fire and black smoke could be seen along the horizon. The building they were in shook every few seconds as humanity fought for its life. Meanwhile, in the corner of the office was a small tornado spinning out of control, causing all of Dr. Laura's books and papers to fly chaotically around the room. You should really find a sitter, Dr. Laura said. We can't. Our friends haven't wanted to talk to us since we split, Margaret said. They said they hate choosing sides and that it was so much better and easier when we were together. We dragged their moods down, I'm told. Well, do you blame them for feeling like that, Fred said. Who asked you? Margaret said. No, Margaret, Dr. Laura said. This is supposed to be a safe place. We all need to feel free enough to say what we need to say without judgment. Son, stop it, Fred yelled. The tornado finally ceased. The scattered papers and books descended and found their final resting spots in the room. Five-year-old Cody stood there, out of breath and full of rage. He looked around the room at the mess he created. Come, Margaret said. Sit with Mama. No! Cody screamed. His pitch made the window shatter. They all felt as though they had invited the alien invasion into the counseling session with them. The explosions, sirens, aircraft, and screams were near deafening. The couple looked mildly alarmed, as if they had just woken up to the world surrounding them. Dr. Laura did her best to wipe the broken glass bits off her clothes without getting cut. Ignore it, she said to both of them, motioning towards the new hole in her wall where the window used to be. Ignore it? Fred asked. But you just said a moment ago it was important that we see it. Yes, but you're not really seeing anything, are you? Dr. Laura said. I beg your pardon? Your son was a tiny tornado until I brought it to your attention. Your world, your personal world, is spinning out of control, and here I am expecting you guys to reconcile, become one again, and do your due diligence as superheroes to save humanity. But you can't even save yourselves. What an idiot I've been. You can go now. We're done here. Excuse me, Margaret said. We're done, Dr. Laura reiterated, as in no more counseling. Congratulations. You don't have to come back. But our marriage isn't saved yet. We're still separated. We have issues. Actually, Fred has the issues, but they're affecting me. Correct, Margaret. Your marriage is doomed. Just like the world, we should just accept it and get on with our lives. Well, the little that's left. This is outrageous, Fred said and stood to his feet. We've paid you a lot of money. We expect you to fix us. Dr. Laura stood to her feet as well and grabbed her purse and briefcase. Not every broken thing can be put back together, she said. In marriage, it is better to be one than to be right. Love is a perpetual choice. The moment you stop making that choice, you lose your power and it all falls apart. What's true of superheroes is true for all of us. Good day. And with that, Dr. Laura walked out of her own office, waving goodbye to little Cody as she did. 
Fred stood there, bewildered with his mouth agape, stunned as if the words had frozen him, but the sound of Margaret's sobbing woke him from his trance. He looked down at his wife, still sitting on the couch, her face in her hands. He sat down beside her and said, I'm so sorry, Margaret, for everything. Awkwardly, as if doing it for the very first time, Fred wrapped his arm around Margaret. Dr. Laura's right, he said. At least I think she is. Love is not something you lose. It's something you leave. Something you let go of. Something you stop choosing. Fred was now wiping away his own tear. Somehow I stopped choosing it. Please forgive me. Margaret looked up and said, Forgive me as well. I choose love. We choose love, Fred said. Cody stared at his parents in disbelief. For two months they had been separated, letting the world fall apart. The reconciled couple kissed, and their skin began to glow. Their bodies then melted into a single, enormous, fiery being of pure power. The two had become one again. Cody smiled from ear to ear and ran up to hug his mom and dad, who were now united and whole, known to the rest of the world as Mega Merge. No evil force could stop them now. Come on, Mega Merge, said to Cody. Let's go save the world. Mega Merge leapt out of the hole in the wall. Cody followed immediately after. Dr. Laura, who didn't actually leave the building, but was hiding in the office next to hers, ran back in to watch from the broken window. Mega Merge was punching and throwing alien invader pods out of the sky. Cody had spun himself into a tornado, obliterating any invaders Mega Merge missed. Dr. Laura witnessed the world and a marriage saved at the same time. Knowing she had a little something to do with it, she couldn't help but feel like a superhero herself. So that was Dr. Laura, and those were the three stories I wrote and wanted to share with you folks. I hope you enjoyed them. These are how the prompts from this little journal I keep to jot down story ideas and premises were originally written. The measles messages were based off of a prompt that read, Intelligent, hive-minded, microscopic aliens that take over the planet by going inside the people like a virus to kill them. They communicate by taking over people to write messages on TV, radio, internet. One guy figures this all out. So that was all I had for the prompt. And then I, instead of them communicating on TV, I thought it was more interesting that they communicate uh, by spelling out on viral red dots. Since they were inside the host, why not? So I thought that was interesting. The Pizzlefwap Pirates from Outer Space. That was based on a prompt about space pirates that need to survive by raiding other planets. And then lastly, Dr. Laura was based off of two prompts. One says, a story about a couple becoming one, analogous to marriage. The two shall become one. The story will state this literally. And then I combined that with another prompt that said, a story about a married couple struggling to save their marriage. They have one last resort to see a therapist who agrees they should divorce. But before they do, they have to save the world the process of saving the world saves their love as well. Maybe they're superheroes. So, so I kind of combined those two, and those were the stories that I came up with. And that completes season two. Season three should be up sometime in May. And as always, if you yourself have written a story you'd like me to read on the show, or if you have a writing prompt for me to write a story, please email storykingpodcast at gmail.com. If I like it, I just might use it. Try to keep your story between one to 3,000 words. Again, that's storykingpodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to be a part of what we're doing on The Story King, please consider becoming a patron. You can visit my page at www.patreon.com 
forward slash the story king. The link will be in the show notes. If you're not familiar with Patreon, it's a very practical and tangible way to support your favorite content creators so they have the resources they need to continue producing more great content. I currently have three monthly subscription tiers you can choose from on Patreon, a $5, $10, and $20 option. Any of those will give you immediate access to exclusive content and more. So please consider becoming a Story King patron. You can check out the details of those subscription tiers on my page. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash the Story King. Please follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. The links are in the show notes. And if you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on iTunes or the medium of your choice and leave a positive review. That would really help the show out. Currently, I'm on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, Google Play, and looking to get into some more markets. I'll keep you posted on that. Thank you for listening to the Story King podcast, where great stories are read, discussed, and given their due honor. Please join us next time. Until then. <laughs>